In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Today we are looking at resurrection, our resurrection, that is, that of Jonathan Daniel Cross, and resurrection in general, that state called life which follows death, which follows life. Life after death. If it seems a little sudden to speak of life after death so soon after birth, let us speak instead of new birth, of being born again, for that is exactly the state to which we shall refer again and again in the liturgy, the new birth, the birth from above, which is the state of spiritual awakening now, and the certainty of bodily resurrection then. The hope, no, the certainty of life, the life of the age to come, eternal life as we here and there translate it. All this administered with a little splash of water from a bird bath, as our predecessors referred to this discreet little basin to which we shall presently process. But this basin stands in for a pool a deep, dark pool into which, into the depths of which, in the dark of night, the catechumen, the candidate for baptism, was seized and bent backward and plunged three times into the water and emerged, three times, we hope, from that pool, spluttering and gasping for air. Water is not our proper metier, our natural habitat. The sea in Scripture is a place of death, not a place that is good for life. All these passages through the sea, the Exodus especially, Remind us that the jaws of the sea, the waves around them, are the jaws of death. And that symbolism is that not life as the womb of life, as the primal soup from which all life emerged once upon a time, but as the tomb of death, that cold, inhospitable place upon which ancient Israel turned her back, upon which she ventured as frequently, as infrequently as possible. It is a fact, by the way, we learned this in Newfoundland, that most fishermen cannot swim. <laughs> when you fish in the cold Atlantic, you're told if you fall overboard, take a good gulp of that cold seawater so you'll go down faster. <laughs> well, the reality of life from death. So here, the water symbolizes death. The immersion dying from which one nevertheless rises. So new birth must be preceded by a spiritual death. The renunciations we will here tell us what we are dying to. Do you reject the devil and all rebellion against God? Do you renounce the deceit and corruption of evil? Do you repent of the sins that separate us from God and neighbor? Three times under to the devil, to evil as a false promise, to evil as a false way of life. And the reference to rebellion against God, which is the source of all of it, the natural state from which we are somehow, by God's grace, rescued, plucked, like those who survived a capsized boat threshing in the water, uh, for the Arminians here, 
better for those who are Anglicans, like those who did not survive, who sank to the bottom of the sea like a stone, dead weight, and are now suddenly seized by the hand of the Almighty, pulled up out of the water, hurled onto the shore, the seawater spluttering from our lungs. New birth. Violent means, perhaps, but to seize us from the grasp of the adversary, such means are necessary. And birth, too, in which the waters break and we are heaved onto dry land into life is not without drama. Do you reject the devil and all rebellion against God? The question will be asked in deadly seriousness and answered in the affirmative, what else can we do? But we should stop right here and now if we do not at least acknowledge the implications the cosmic implications, the reverberations that will attend our gathering around that birdbath that will thunder through heaven and earth as we walk the 30 feet to the font. For there will be a cheer, a shout from heaven itself when that water is splashed on. Will we hear it? Indeed, we will in the days and years to come, like the shout that goes up at the stadium when the Wheaton Thunder scores a goal. And there will be a shriek. Yes, there will. Will we hear it? May it never be, as the powers and principalities are splashed by that same water, ice water to them. They will shake themselves out and splutter too and slither away into the slime, the primal, primal ooze, which is their milieu. And what a nuisance they can be and will be in the days to come. Those powers and principalities for Jonathan, for all of us, and their days are numbered. Praise God. And that, too, is what this is all about. Jonathan Daniel has been brought into a beautiful world, but it is a violent world, too, and that violence beats against our breast even as we strive to still it. To set us free once and for all from that urge to violence, violence against God, which is our repressed predisposition, there had to be violence too. Jesus, Son of God, Son of Man, put to death on a cross, put there to show us not just who he was, but who we are, of what we are capable, of what we and he are capable. Yes, into this beautiful, good creation, it was necessary to put that cross, to put to death not just Jesus, but us. The sin we have in our DNA is incurable, and no amount of good work, good habits, will cure us of it. To bring to life not just Jesus, but someday on that day, us, and now we pray, us plus one. One more, one more eternal being who will find his way to bring heaven down to earth as he makes his way to the new heaven, to the new earth, which will be one day right here. Today, as you have noted then, is a baptism. It is also our patronal festival, which means it is a funeral. <laughs> Don't jump to conclusions a requiem mass, a missa pro defunctis, for the departed. Every Sunday we gather the communion of saints here, from whom death does not really depart us. We gather them mainly in our music, 
in which we try to capture the music and the poetry of the last millennium or two. Today's anthem is from the year 2011, but it's part of a continuity which branches back into the past, and it is from a requiem, a missa pro defunctus, pro defunctis, for the departed. That beautiful, beautiful hymn from the wisdom of Solomon, thank God King James and his men saw fit to translate it for us and place it there for moments like this. The souls of the righteous are in the hand of God, and no torment will ever touch them. In the eyes of the foolish, they seem to have died, and their departure was thought to be a disaster, and their going from us to be their destruction, but they are at peace. And every funeral, every Christian funeral, is also a baptism, I suppose, a new birth, a last new birth, a final new birth. But for Jonathan Daniel, as for us, the new life of the new heaven and the new earth has started already. Death will interrupt it with a pause. When life resumes, there will be improvements, no more sighing, no more dying, no more sickness, no more sadness. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. That beautiful promise that God gave to Abraham, to the prophets that God gave to us, God gives today to Jonathan Daniel. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. A promise. We too have promises to keep. Promises to Jonathan, to one another, vows to renew. Our eyes are set on the horizon, the place where earth meets heaven. But beneath, in the black of the deep, deep of our deceitful hearts of hearts, our adversary prowls. We must be watchful, too, and wary, for he has a way of getting his way now and then, now more than ever, and of using us to do it together. We can do this, and only together, and only with God. The best way is not to wait, but to get to work. Not to wait for the kingdom to come on earth as in heaven, but to work on earth as if earth were heaven in waiting. For it is, waiting for us, you and we, to go to the depths of this world's pain, go with prayer, go with the oil of anointing, go with the oil of gladness, dry tears, bind wounds, feed and bathe and soothe and love this world, God's world, into God's kingdom. Let us not forget one another in all this, but let us keep our eyes focused outward as we go on. God did not save Israel from the world. God saved Israel for the world, this world, to save this world. That is our vocation, too, in Christ, to save this beautiful world from itself, not for itself, but for her God, to bring this world back from the brink of death alive, God's task which he shall work through us on through until he comes again. And now he has one more on his workforce. And what a force it shall be, Jonathan Daniel and his God, in the days to come.